So I'm really excited to share with you today's episode, um, so much so that I actually decided to publish this one first, and I felt that it was a really great way of uh, showcasing the intention behind the Metanoia podcast. In this particular episode, we take two seemingly separate concepts, and in this case, we take spirituality and we take science, and we dance around various different studies, um, experiences, uh, texts, uh, researchers, and so on and so forth, both on and off planet. And what I believe creates this really beautiful convergence in which our possibilities are more expanded when it comes to our perception of the world that we live in. And it really comes to showcase that there is no difference between spirit and science. Only difference is one is internal, one is external. One is tangible and experienced through the senses, and one is non-visible and experienced through intuition, through spirit, through uh, something that has not yet been fully recognized and acknowledged in our society. So that was a mouthful. Um, I am really excited to share, as I said. And so before I go ahead and jump right into this episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's taking the time to check out this episode and to uh, connect with me in general and engage with my content. So um, I would love to hear your feedback after this episode. And uh, if you are new to this channel, thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, I am very, very excited to talk to you today. And um, I am, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble containing my excitement. Um, today, I have the pleasure of talking with Generation Z or Dave Zed, a kind of someone that I came across maybe a week or two ago and was completely enamored by his work, um, mainly by the breadth of knowledge that he has and encapsulated in such short formats of video and also the depth of research. So today is probably a really good example of what exactly metanoia is, which is, you know, the expansion of the mind and the exploration of consciousness and really going beyond the mind and beyond the known. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Dave Zed. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to speak with you. So thank you so much. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I was, um, when I saw your video, I, I think the hybrid scientist would post some of your stuff. And then from there, I got really like, I was like, I have to reach out to this guy. And then I was, I didn't think I'd hear back from you because you were just growing so rapidly. But I, uh, I was able to get in contact with you. And um, ever since we've started talking, it's just been really, it's really great to connect with you. So I'm really excited to introduce you to my, my community and to let you do your thing. Thank you. I'm just so you know, I'm just excited as you are, by the way. So it's no worries. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to be honest. I could probably talk to you for like seven hours, but I'm going to, I kind of mapped it out a little bit. And sure. I felt a really great way to start would be to, to get to understand how you started researching these things. Like, was it inherently like a pull into this or curiosity? How did you come to research what you are 
Well, I've always had phases of my life where I've been um, fairly spiritual. And I say that very carefully because I was never really into it extremely, but I was always, I always had that connection every couple of years of my life. Um, for the last 10 years, it would kind of pop up here and there. And then obviously, just like anyone else, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of uh, Instagram, YouTube, what have you. And then what I started to realize was when I started looking for certain things, it, I couldn't find the connection between a lot of things that were being uh, that was not being made when clearly connections were there. Now, yes, you have a few channels out there where connections are being made, and I have a lot of respect for those those channels. But there wasn't anything that really compacted it within, say, a twenty to thirty minute time frame. Uh, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. And so I said to myself, you know what? I might as well try it myself. And if it works, it works. If people don't like it, then at least I tried. So yeah. I think it's also interesting too, because it's like, you really do pack a lot into such a short amount of time, which really goes to show the breadth of research. Like you, it shows that you've actually done some research and you're able to kind of pull things together. Um, but you also leave it up to inquiry as well, which I find really cool. Thank you. Well, I, what I try to do is it, it's more so like you said, leaving it up to inquiry as well as laying out the evidence and having the people decide for themselves, because I think and we could probably get into this later or whenever you like, but one of the biggest problems with today is a narrative is always being pushed, always. And it's so unfortunate to see. I don't, I don't think there was ever a time when the media, particularly the mainstream, was completely unbiased. But I think now more than ever, uh, for a few different reasons, I'm sure you can imagine why, the, the media is pretty, pretty biased. So I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, I want the people to decide for themselves. I'm gonna lay out my sources in the description of my, my videos, uh, if they're on YouTube, and uh, they can go and see the same things I'm seeing. Yeah, I think it's also interesting too, because you, you mentioned that you started from a spiritual context, but then you, you ended up kind of researching what I would consider like future tech or um, black projects, and I think very real world present day issues. So it's interesting, whereas for me, I, I kind of tend to go back into the esoteric, the predated history, the channel text. So I think it's really cool um, because a lot of your videos, to me, trigger things that I've studied that are based on the past yeah. that are almost like reoccurring in this giant loop. So I, I wonder for you, like, do you did someone inspire that or like what you know what, what was that it, for you it was one thing leading to another so there was the spiritual aspect and then when i started to watch videos of particularly uh whistleblowers or people that used to work that had classified access or sensitive access to certain government operations i started to realize wait a minute there's a there's a very intrinsic and prominent connection here that nobody has made yet. And I don't want to go around saying I'm the first one to make it, but I'm trying my best to make the connection in an unbiased way, right? So if we, right. I mean, a quick example would be, let's say, um, adrenochrome, for example. For years, this was a type of uh, pineal, not pineal gland, a type of gland excreted from the human eye that was completely ridiculed and laughed at for the longest time until it was subtly discovered on a public level scientifically that this in fact is uh, completely legitimate and real. And then after that, it was suppressed even more. 
And so even though there is, you know, you have to be careful with censorship and things like this, there's ways around that when it comes to explaining certain things. And that's exactly what, um, what I tried to do. Right. It's also interesting, too, because in that movie, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, doesn't he take adrenochrome at one he point? Does. He does, exactly. And then shortly after, a speech was made by a gentleman named Phil Schneider, who was a former geologist, with which I believe had level two or three clearance to the deep underground military bases. And he spoke about adrenochrome, I believe it was in 1997 or 1998, one of his last speeches before he... Um, you know, hung himself, right? And so mm -hmm. he said it's completely real. This was a couple years after the film. Um, however, it still had not gone mainstream by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Yeah, I have this theory that um, things are put in front of us as entertainment so that our brain can carpet mentalize it as a non-threat or something that is not of this reality, but it is in fact a very... Um, prominent aspect of our reality that is just kind of like you said suppressed or hidden well it's, it's um, like the um oh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the programming angle which I, I cover in my show a lot not because i want to but because it's just so for me at least i feel it's very important that i point it out because if we take a look for example this might be a little bit extreme but jimmy kimmel asked obama i think it was four or five years ago about aliens and obama had replied and he said well, we're not allowed to talk about it, but he said it in a joking way. So the crowd started to laugh. And then Obama said, again, in a joking manner, he goes, they reside strict control over us. Now, maybe that's a stretch of the imagination because he's trying to imply that he's making a joke. But I think ultimately to, to, to sit back and say that there's no other life form out there that is advanced and that they're not working with the government, I think there's too much evidence to suggest otherwise. Uh, I mm -hmm. could be completely wrong. My mind is always open to being disproven, but you know what? I have yet to be. Right. And also it's just interesting too, because it's like, I think fast forward, you had the Vatican admitting to something and then you have um, this recent COVID bill talking about the disclosure of, you know, UFOs or something like that. Uh, I'm not too well yeah. read on it, but um, I do kind of feel like there are some drips that it's kind of like either you hear it or you don't. And then also for those that hear it, that don't hold that consciousness, it's kind of just brushed off as something that's like not real. Um, so I, I, I feel that one of the things that you mentioned in a few of the videos, which would be a really great jump off point, in my opinion, um, would be the concept of uh, energy and more importantly, the idea of assimilation, which we've kind of talked about, you know, oh. off record. Yeah. Um, and in one one video, I think you referenced um, the godfather of quantum physics, who talks about the the world we live in is basically like an illusion. Illusion. Yeah. And then there was another gentleman who um, also mentioned that our world is nothing more than a um, a matrix of vibratory fields and yeah. so i i would love to hear your thoughts on that yeah um and then talk a little bit about you know chi energy and um just kind of see where we go sure yeah absolutely so when it comes to and we've spoken about this off the record a little bit before um when it comes to the simulation theory the first thing i try to tell people whether it's on the show or just a discussion is that we need to 
understand and define simulation in a non-traditional form of thinking with respects to the way in which the economic and financial and societal system has been developed, meaning that in the last you know, 100, 150 years, 200 years in modern history, there's sort of been a very set in stone academic uh, uprising or sorry, raising of the people, at least within the West. I mean, Europe, it is similar. And it kind of shows the overall kind of concept of keeping people confined mentally. Um, that's not to say that the education system is bad. However, I think that there's certain things that are put in there that are so prominent in terms of being able to keep people suppressed that when we go to school and then we go home and we watch films like The Matrix, it does help us open our mind, but simultaneously it opens our mind to one thing and then closes the door in another. And so mm -hmm. I think we need to define what simulation is because there was one instance, a quick example, I was telling my cousin that we may live, long story short, just to simplify, that we may live in the matrix. And she says to me, no, you have to be kidding, right? And then I kind of explain it to her and she sort of gets it, but then she says, I still don't believe it. But then I use the word simulation. And then all of a sudden her mind kind of changed. Her mind said, yeah, I could see that. And I explained to her then that it's not her fault. I blame it on the academic system, but ultimately those two words could be the same in many different ways. And so mm -hmm. when we look at like geometry or mathematics that is reoccurring within nature, for example, the Fibonacci sequence, what we'll find there is that this is a universal pattern, whether we're looking at a galaxy from, you know, NASA's Hubble telescope, or whether it's literally just going for a walk in, in your nearby forest and looking at the plants. There is mathematical reoccurrences that I don't believe are coincidental. I will say I cannot tie it together personally. I think I'm getting closer and closer, but I still think I have a long way. However, I would dare to say this type of information that is being revealed to us, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, is something called drop feeding, where they on a secret level, and when I say they, I mean the government and different factions of the government, have this knowledge and they've had it for a long time, but they slowly drop feed it and kind of give a small percentage of what they really have to the public and they present it as the form of a new scientific study. When in reality, if, you, if we look at it in the sense of just humans overall, a small group of humans have had access to this knowledge and information for God knows how long. And if we take even a further step back, if we look at the Egyptian hieroglyphs or the Buddhist scriptures or things like this, what we'll see is that this is reoccurring. The only thing where we won't really see it spoken of much is in, um, in the Catholic Bible. I could be wrong, but again, that I was raised Catholic. That was one of the religions I find to be with very good values, but I also have to say very intrinsically closed-minded, and I don't think that's a coincidence either. So again, simulation is, it, it's kind of like this, to, just to finish it off. Simulation is like you have a hundred different computer slots where you can put a memory card in. And right now, out of the 100 slots, we only have met one memory card inside of it. And if you put in more memory cards into these slots, the computer can actually read all of it at once. And if we think of the computer as life itself, as everything, what makes up everything around us, then in reality, if we were somehow able to metaphorically insert those memory cards into those slots, we would then, as humans, be privy to much more around us. Because again, the human, um, 
body can only physically hear and see within a very particular frequential range. So what comes before that and what comes after that? So, yeah, I think it's interesting too, because when you use the, the analogy of the slots, um, it brings to mind the parallel universe theory. Um, so it's kind of like each of those parallel possibilities could also be a slot in the memory card. Um, sorry, a, a, a slot occupied by a certain memory card. Right. Um, it also brings to mind in the spiritual community, there's uh, channelers that often ref reference the Akashic records, which is kind of like this spiritual um, bank of all there ever, all, all there ever is, all there ever will be past, present and future and right. all of the possibilities therein. And then interestingly, um, when you start to talk about the concept of simulation, I know that um, one of the, the challenges, I think when you start to think of things like this to and to communicate in the ways that we think to someone who, I don't wanna use the term like a layman, but um, a person that just operates within our reality without questioning it whatsoever, there is a certain type of language that we use and I think it's the concept of a simulation or a matrix. These are just words, right. but these words actually create the reality. And I remember it was like Maya Angelou or something who said that she was convinced that words are things. Mm -hmm. And when you read deeper spiritual works of like uh, Rudolf Steiner, he talks of the earlier root races who could manifest with their words. Mm -hmm. And so like in our reality, we are using words to communicate. And in, a, in many ways, some of us um, are able to understand the confines of language. Mm -hmm. And then there's others who are basically imprisoned in the confines of language. And so in the case of your cousin, the matrix limits her from the possibility of understanding the world around her. And I find another issue is I use the words uh, divine and demonic, or I'll say perverse, um, but I don't mean it from a biblical sense. I think that the more I've read, the more I've um, evolved to my definition. Right. So I wonder for you, especially because you talk about things that are very highly considered conspiratorial, even though there are supporting documents to really support what you're saying, how do you find language um, limiting in terms of you talking to someone who's, you know, you've met at a bar, for example? Oh, well, I, I think you, first off, you raise a, like a dozen points there that I could add to that are just absolutely correct in my, in my point of view. And I think words limit people immensely. And I think that is one of the things that whether it's spiritual or physical within this realm or this world, whatever we call it, the simulation, it is extremely limiting. And it, when you limit words, you then limit the way someone thinks. And if you limit the way they think, you limit the way they perceive things. And if mm -hmm. you limit the way they perceive things, then they cannot really have an expansion of their, I guess what we would call to be imagination. I don't like to use that word because I find, and that's another prime example, actually, imagination, because when you say the word imagination, people immediately discredit it. So like if me and you are just having a chat, say, for example, at the dinner table and you say to me, hey, Dave, you know, um, I just imagined something. Could you imagine this immediately, subconsciously and even consciously? My mind is going, 
oh shit, like this is not going to be like, it's not possible because she's imagining it. And that's the whole thing of thinking of that word imagine. Now that's not to say that just because, you know, you think the sky is green, that it's actually green. But I think the limit on words has been a very, very prominent tool in mm -hmm. academia, um, academia's, I guess we could say, arsenal, particularly yeah. within the, the STEM community, the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, another thing I wanted to point out very quickly with the simulation, and it ties in with perception too, is that it's very ironic that when scientists talk about proving things, they always needed to be based in theoretical proof. Now there's a difference between proof and evidence. Evidence means that, okay, like we got them sort of like when you're investigating a criminal, right? Proof means that it is justified to look into more. However, in pure theoretical quantum physics, and I'm not a physicist by any stretch of the imagination, quantum physics describes that in pure theory, time travel, parallel dimensions, all of this is in fact possible if harnessed correctly. Now, do we have some ability as humans to tap into it that we have been suppressed by? The, you know what? The more research I do, the, that, that's how I feel more and more. And I think technology in general is more of a burden than an actual benefit when it comes to being able to access things like uh, parallel dimensions or things like this. And so the, the point is, is that it's ironic how they say they need evidence in theory. And when it's provided to them, they say, well, that's just theoretical. So it's like, which, which like you want your cake and you want to eat it too. Like which side of the, you know what I mean? Which side of the coin mm -hmm. is being flipped here. And so right. that it kind of ties into everything. So it's kind of ironic. Now, again, like you said about being conspiratorial, I don't know if maybe that's just me looking into things too much, or maybe people, and they have, have accused me of trying to create conspiracies where there are none. But again, we live in a day and age um, where everyone, and I said this before, is a conspiracy theorist, whether they know it or not. And the words conspiracy theorist is also mm -hmm. a term that you said perfectly is so limiting to people, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's also like, it is our human nature to wonder about the world we live in. Some of the greatest minds to ever exist um, actually had a, a very unorthodox approach to learning. When you look at like Darwin and right. um, even Da Vinci, they didn't go about the traditional way of, of learning. They went through, um, like their story is just very rich in, in imagination and piecing together and reading. And right. they their teachings are reverberating now and will continue past our lives. And so it's like, why is it all of a sudden, which I think realistically, since Kennedy, the word conspiracy theorist came about, but right. you're really a critical, uh, sorry, um, a critical thinker or a person who has a more um, philosophical, you're at the core seeking to understand the world that you live in and your place in it. And so I think that that word is just as bad and demonizing as someone who um makes a racial slur in a way because you're you're putting someone you're basically calling them you know crazy and I know that's kind of like a a harsh comparison to say that's a, like a racial slur but you know I've been you know someone said you know that's conspiracy theory or you're crazy because that that's how you think but it's like the more that you read whether it be in scientific or religious, whatever the, the text, mm. the more you read, the more you start to realize in a very humble sense that 
the world and the reality that's been constructed for you with regards to church, state, and those institutions mm. is much bigger than what they've, what they've told us. And so that begs the question is, why is there more that we don't know? What, why is, where's the, what is the intention? And is it nefarious or is right. it actually to protect us? Right. And so um, you mentioned um, in one of your recent books, or sorry, videos um, about the brain project. Right. And I thought it was really cool because it basically, in my opinion, it merges science and spirituality. And at the core for me, I think that the issues of our of humanity is really a, a consciousness issue. And I think that the extreme of spirituality and the extreme of science, whichever way you, you lean, limits you. And the, 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 the true way to ascend as a, as a collective is the, the merging of science and spirituality because they can't exist without each other. And right. so when you made your video about the brain project, um, essentially, to, from my understanding, it's about using deceased brains mm -hmm. to create basically a, an Akashic field, Akashic record, in my opinion, and also to harness chi energy. So again, that's spiritual energy or quantum energy. And so um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, actually, there's, there's a bunch of things I wanted to point out that, that you brought up um, very articulately. And that is, first off, I think what you said about how you have science on this end, and then you have religion on this end, right? I think on a public level, I think the extremity in which this is occurring is actually being done on purpose. And the reason is to justify keeping the two separate, right? And if you notice, whether it's politicians and or scientists or world leaders or you know people like bill gates or things like this they constantly delve away from spirituality and science when asked about it even though they get asked very seldom about it very rarely but i think the reason is because the answer is in front of us in the sense that the two are like this and mm -hmm. on top of that if the two are as separated as the mainstream narrative would have us or want us to believe why is it that the marriage of church and state, uh, particularly in the West, in the, in the United States, is so strong and close together? Now, there's an amendment, I believe, in the U.S. Constitution, I forget which one it is, that talks about how the marriage of church and state is pretty much forbidden. forbidden. It, it is, I believe, the only amendment that is completely ignored by everyone on both sides, political parties or independent parties or what have you, because it's so connected that I think there's more to it than just these politicians wanting to believe in God or Jesus Christ. And mm. I did an episode, I think it was the brain one where they're taking the missing brains and then they're bringing them to the Vatican. And then from there, they're being sent to DARPA. And this is also occurring mm. with certain exorcists as well. Exorcists are being trained at the Vatican, recruited, not a lot, but in the, the hundreds. And then they're being sent to uh, DARPA. And DARPA is obviously a defense uh, agency research. I forgot the last two, but anyways, it's, it's one of those like CIA black project um, agencies pretty much. And they keep uh, very little public record of anything. And so the way I see it is that if these things are happening, there's definitely a connection that they don't want us to know about. And I think it's because the connection is so obvious, very similar to how, for example, 
someone can, if they had the right tools, make a nuclear bomb in their kitchen with a microwave. Mm-hmm. If you notice mm-hmm. every high school student or what ha- or whatever that's made a nuclear bomb has been seized by the FBI, then they've been charged and fined and things like this. And then they try to cover it up. It barely even makes the news. I think if we apply that same concept to the connection between spirituality and science, it's the same idea. It's literally yeah. right it's right there in front of us, whether that's literal or metaphorical or both, or even spiritual, it might even be all three, but I think it's the exact same reoccurring pattern. You, you make a, you make a nuke in your, in your kitchen with a little microwave, and then all of a sudden they want to take it, shut you up and that's it. Right. And I think that's the, that's the connection, especially with, with church and state, because for a country, even even Canada too, where I am, it's essentially an extension of the U.S. The way I see it, but for two for two countries to have such a deep connection with Christianity, I do believe that many aspects of the Christian faith instill very good values and morals. That could be debated, but I think ultimately it's more than just that. It's the good values and morals are manipulated in a way of trying to keep people in a behavioral manner. And so if we look at, for example, what happened at the Capitol in Washington the other day, that's exactly what they didn't want. Now, I'm not saying that that was a good thing, and I'm not saying it was bad either. That's not up for me to decide. But I think what we're seeing here is when you get free thinkers to start to do things on their own, that's when they start to get scared and say, okay, this whole agenda of pushing good morals and values is not enough anymore, right? And maybe maybe the Capitol example is a bad example because there's a lot of things that we still don't know about in terms of what happened there. But I think, you know what I'm trying to say, like with the nuke in the, in the kitchen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting too, because when you mentioned, which I didn't know, um, the connection between the Vatican and the basically like the use of the deceased brains and kind of in the, in that video, and maybe you can expound on that a little bit, but you do mention how there, there seems like they're, using brain uh, tissue to basically create a quantum or in my opinion, um, an artificial, which I often, this comes to kind of say, in my opinion, this comes to limit the mind with language because I think there's natural law or universal law, which I would consider divine. And this is beyond religion. Um, And then I would also say um, demonic, which is the opposite. And I don't mean that with like a horn and pitchfork kind of thing. (laughs) But I also kind of make that connotation when it comes to uh, uh, what do you call it? The undivine or the the divine also holds Christ consciousness. So the opposite would be antichrist consciousness, which is also, in my opinion, a perverse version of AI. And so you're trying, like you said earlier, that through the use of technology, you're actually hindering a perfectly working thing uh, that works in divine precision. And you're re-harnessing it through quantum technology to create uh, an avenue in which you can play God or you can... um, create an experience where you can control the outcome. And so when you mentioned that, and you said that they're bringing exorcist into this, there's that uh, one of those quantum physicists who basically says that our universe is a fabric of 
various different frequencies. And so once you start to think of the fact that there's exorcists involved in a quantum study or DARPA black project thing, that means that there's also the conjuring up of lower dimensional entities, demons that they need to wrangle through the use of exorcists who have spiritual powers that to our our world we don't value the spiritual world realm because it cannot be seen and tangibly experienced right um so i thought that was really interesting and it really made the hair on my neck stand up because to me it's indicative that we're really onto something right um and it's also scary because you know there's also cern and and darpa projects and so I, I think before we keep going, um, just to make sure that the people listening to us actually know what the hell we're talking about, um, I think it'd be a good place to start off by explaining what the beast is or these brain projects that we're talking about. And those, yeah, I think that's a good, sure, sure. good way so to I go. Ju- I just wanted to say before, before I go on, what you said about how one can actually perceive um, the word demonic as, for example, an entity with, I guess what you're trying to get at with is no soul, so to speak, in the sense Mm -hmm. of um, these deep underground military base experiments where they are cloning humans and they can actually make humans to a T perfectly in terms of genetics um, with, you know, like the perfectly chiseled face and the whole thing, but they cannot produce a soul. I have to say, I never thought of it like that. That's an amazing point that you pointed out there. So thank you, because that that's super awesome. I didn't think of it that way um, in terms of the the perception of uh, of what people would call demons. Right. I think that's Mm -hmm. what you were trying to say, where it's not necessarily a a red like creature with horns. It could be something that has no tangible soul in this in this realm. Is is that what you were trying to? Yeah, I think that when we think of it when we think of the word demon or, or demonic or satanic, we, we cage in this idea, which is really kind of denoted by religion. But if you kind of expand that a little bit and you understand what the teachings of religious texts are saying, and that expand, it's, it's expanded from not just Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever, but you, you filter through and you find those commonalities in the teachings then you can kind of see that um, the meanings of the word um, has been perverted by people who want to suppress, but also is a key to unlock an understanding of the world that we're living in. And so for me, when you were telling me this, uh, I like I said earlier before we got on record was like, I think there's interesting parallels between spirit and matter, or sorry, in spirit and science. And that is a really interesting thing. And then, you know, I I don't want to cut you off with the telling everyone about the beast project and stuff, but um, yeah, like go on with that. And then I I just wanted to to point out that you made, you raised something that I never would have thought of myself. So thank you for, for putting that out into the world like that. Um, But the thing with the brain project, and I also did an episode that sort of correlates it today, uh, which I'll probably bring up as well, just because it's very connected deeply. 
there, the human brain has something called neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity is essentially the certain as aspects of the brain that electrical impulses harness for us as people or consciousness is to learn or relearn. So for example, if someone has a brain injury and they come out of the hospital, they forget certain things, or, you know, for example, they've very sadly, but positively, ultimately they've had a, a very long episode of drug use and then they get out of it and they become sober. Those things of learning how to write again or learning how to read again, those basic characteristics are formed by neuroplasticity. And at the same time, when you're reading a book, or even right now, as we're speaking, neuroplasticity is occurring in our brains right now, electrical impulses are being connected, whenever there's a new idea that our brain was not privy to. Now, what if you can stop that from happening? And I discussed that in the brain project, but I also discussed it in today's um, episode as well, because the technology is there. And I think this ties in directly with your, your whole perception of the word demonic, because if we look at what the definition of demonic is, it depends where we look, right? And like you said, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a red creature with horns. It could be something without higher vibrational, um, you know, compositions or souls within people as we call souls and things like this. And so when I look at that and I, I read documents that don't state it, but imply that there is technology that can actually cause neuroplasticity to stop working. What then happens oh, is wow. that, yeah, you can, you can suppress uh, people. So for example, it's been alleged and implied that when there are major world meetings, such as the United Nations or the, the G7 or the G20 summit or things like this, neuroplasticity is used through the harnessing of a DEW, direct energy weapon, uh, in order to gain leverage against other world leaders. So for example, if you're at the table negotiating with someone and they're very mentally astute, they're very sharp and on their feet, they will not be able to perform as they normally would expect if a direct energy weapon were to submissively literally shut down the neuroplasticity aspect of the brain right and so mm -hmm. when i see these when i read these files and i see these documents i think how come no one's made a connection to that and when i put that out there what we see is that it's so intrinsically connected that the implications are so positive or negative and the thing is too is that what frustrates me as someone looking for the truth and works perfectly in the direction of the people trying to hide it is that the evidence is not uh, the evidence is there, but the proof is not there. Right. And so when I look at that, I start to think, my gosh, the marriage of church and state, the perception of words, the way in which we think about what is all around a simulation matrix, it all comes full circle. And ironically, if we take a look, for example, at math and geometry and nature, what is life? It's a cycle. It's a circle, right? Now that might be a bit of a cheesy or corny connection, but I mean, it's, it's true. It, and when we look at every single shape now being confirmed to be composed of essentially multiple circles, it just goes to show you that this type of cycle overall is understood. And when this occurs in things like the brain project with the Vatican or DARPA or the CIA, it really makes you think, what's going on here in the sense of, is it demonic or is it something God would want? You know what I mean? And so it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. I have yeah. to say, yeah, that's, that's ultimately what, um, 
what I what I think about that. I think interestingly enough too is, and this actually is a thought that arose earlier today when I was um, looking at some of your videos. Um, I'm reading some books by Rudolf Steiner, who I've mentioned to you many times, and right. anyone that's following me knows that I reference him a lot. Um, but between him and then there's a channeler named Elizabeth Heisch, who um, I guess before I, I mention that, um, she does mention that at one point in time, when she had her past life, where she was essentially initiated as a pharaoh, um, her father tells her of how the planet basically descends more into the physical carbon-based density mm. and more of the crystalline-based beings kind of stopped incarnating back into the planet. And one of the things that she also mentions was that um, eventually there became initiates, which this is something that we can find throughout history and different civilizations. But um, what's interesting is, is her uncle, who was kind of the teacher of the initiates, tells her how as man started to arise on, on the earth, these kind of keepers or guardians of man that were trying to teach them the ways of, of living in divine uh, order, but is you know, present of free will and all of these things. Um, and there's no dominion over them, but really it's kind of like a loving parent watching their children. Right. But as man descended further into the physical carbon-based body that they are in, they started to develop uh, lower density, lower vibrational. They couldn't hold a high vibration. Thus, they've ended up becoming more violent. Ego arises, which again connects to like Rudolf Steiner and um, like Helena Blavatsky and the, the concepts or the, the studies of the root races. Right. Um, so one thing too, when you, you, you and I are talking, and again, while I was watching your videos was um, when I first started watching or reading and researching, I immediately believe that there is like a handler race or, or there is, there are people who have, um, information that they suppress to, you know, maintain their status quo. Mm. But more importantly, I think what shifted for me was in the book with Elizabeth High, she says that in an, in that time, when man descended into more into the physical realm, these teachers were trying to teach them how to wield natural forces. And there were different tools and technology. The one that's still prevalent is the Ark of the Covenant, but there were other devices that were I guess, nuclear, nuclear in nature right. um, that we see seeded throughout uh, ancient history and ancient texts. And so it does kind of make you wonder, um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Zachariah Sitchin or anything and like yeah. the idea of like the Anunnaki and stuff and the, the yep. seeded race, but it's like, there are two possibilities here. One is that there are kind of a guardian race or yeah. there, uh, isn't and or there is a nefarious group that wants to pre preserve and they have a more demonic way of thinking um and then that's when you start to unravel the the concept of you know the canaanites and the right. that spirals into luciferianism and then so there's like two branches but i think they are not uh disconnected from each other because right. what you're researching and uncovering to me 
like you said, is suggesting that they're deeply intertwined, but it's just through the perception of separation that they've led us to believe that they are not connected. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. So one thing I wanted to mention as well, too, that ties in directly with this is that what you said about how mankind or humans have descended in a vibrational state so that we have actually become more physical and ironically more materialistic in, in today's modern society is that when we look, for example, at Phil Schneider, who I had mentioned earlier in the episode, he was explaining about how there are up to 145, I believe, elements on the periodic table secretly, because publicly there's only, I believe, 115 or 116. And so when he was describing these types of elements, he said that some of them, he wouldn't get specific, but some of them were not from this particular realm. Now, what intrigues me the most about that, and it'll connect right back to what you were saying, is that I think we also have to define how we perceive the word technology, because allegedly a lot of the technology on these ufo ships and things like this are what we would call technology but what they refer to allegedly as um materials that they simply harness now what's interesting is that when it comes to the anunnaki allegedly now this is long ago it's hard for for me to 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 substantiate this but the anunnaki were very interested in gold allegedly Now, why that is the case, I'm not sure. There are many different theories, but I think they viewed gold as an element in which they could harness spiritually that would provide something for them that we would define as technological. And so, for example, when we use our phones or when we listen to the radio, we're communicating, for example, when if I were to call you on the cell phone, the radio frequencies go to the nearest cell tower near me and then bounce to the nearest cell tower near you, right? I I mean, maybe it's more than that, but you, you get the point. And so this is frequencies that we call technology, which may in fact be, or I I really do believe to be spiritual more than anything. And I think this goes back to our earlier point, the definition and the use of the English language or any language in general is that of minimization. And so when we look at these things, I start to realize something, which is that, for example, you mentioned lower vibrational entities, right? So I will mention, for example, the reptilians or the lizard people. It's very 50-50. There's 50% of people that say they subscribe to the concept. Others say it's completely ridiculous. But if we think, for example, of the reptiles that you and I are aware of, Reptiles in general, and I personally, I love all animals, but reptiles in general tend to be far less emotional than that of, say, for example, a parrot, a dog, a cat, or something like this. I don't think it is a coincidence that these reptilians are less emotional, although highly intelligent, and these alleged lizard people or lower vibrational entities are behaving in the same way or manner, right? And I think you make a great point when you talk about lower vibrational entities and the whole concept of, you know, Luciferianism and the archons and all that. I think ultimately what that is about is that the major religious institutions many, many years ago realized, okay, how can we define this to the public, to the people so we can control them? And again, goes back to the whole point. You say Luciferianism, people think Lucifer, they immediately think red guy with horns and teeth, he's going to kill you. 
right? Now, it's it's not for me to say that Luciferianism is good or bad. Uh, I think you know about it far more substantially than I do, uh, as well as, you know, magic and the occult and things like this. But the connection is there. And that I think that's, I would dare to say 60 to 70% of the connection in terms of technology, so to speak. And that's why when people say, oh, you know, these UFOs that we see in the sky, the way they move, how they zigzag and they defy the laws of physics, it's not possible. Some people say, well, again, we have to define what's possible to us, right? And if this is not, we may view this as technology, but to them, this may actually just be harnessing a natural element through frequencies, which is in turn, I guess we could say spirituality, right? I'm sorry if that was a bit confusing, but no, it totally makes sense. And you also mentioned that the periodic table is suppressed. So what I think of immediately is the fact that um, in religious texts and also, uh, you know, archaeological finds, there's kind of these, um, there's the, the concept of, well, it's, I think it's might actually be well uh, researched in the scientific community as well as the fact that our human DNA isn't 100% activated. We only have, I think, 64 of the 100 and and something codons are actually activated. So two things come to mind is one, um, the suppression of the human technology, the DNA, which when you speak about harnessing energy is your DNA holds ancestral knowledge. It's, it's the, it's interlacing billion, uh, sorry, millions and of years of uh, time and and um, experiences that help shape the person that you and I am today. Right. And I think one of the things, and I guess this is why we most often allude to conspiracies as being nefarious, is because you have um, everything in our environment is a biological assault on our DNA. And most people don't make that assumption or or connect, make that connection because it's kind of a slow kind of drip feed of of, uh, suppressing the DNA. And also I think once I started to uncover this stuff and really learn, um, you know, there's a there's a hermetic principle. It's uh, the law of correspondence, which says as above, so below. So in one sense, you have a, a, a far more expansive periodic table. Right. And also in the human body, we have all of these suppressed codons that we just don't know how to activate. And right. there's, you know, ancient texts that suggest that they were sub- suppressed by the mm-hmm. Anunnaki to help us stay as a slave race to help mine gold. That's one kind of theory from Sitchin, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But um, I just kind of lost my train of thought. But well, anyways, I, I, I just, sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, if I could just quickly add to that, if uh, uh, to to add to your point, what I've noticed as well, too, is that when people say like they talk about being enslaved, I think that ultimately, and people say, oh, we're enslaved right now by, you know, the greys or the the reptilians or just by world governments. I honestly don't think they're sitting there twiddling their their mustaches going, you know, we're going to destroy them, this and that, because ultimately they need us in the sense of they need quantity, they need numbers. Now, I think when it comes to suppression, there is an energetic suppression. And I think that is the core foundation. What I mean by that is, 
when you mentioned earlier the, the Akashic Records, and thank you so much for bringing that up, because it's almost like, actually, no, it is. With the Akashic Records, you can read into past lives, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I think ultimately, these past lives are a cycle of sorts that is not allowing us as consciousnesses to ascend. And I think that may in fact be the suppression. So every time our physical body dies, allegedly we have a choice as a, as a spirit to ascend or return to this realm. I think the suppression is limiting that option, not even allowing mm -hmm. the spirit to become aware that it can ascend and that it has to restart with fresh uh, memory and it doesn't remember anything at all. And I think now I can't prove that. However, um, Phil Schneider, uh, Gary Webb, Al Bilek, these are all gentlemen that have said the same thing. There is some type of energy suppression that is occurring. And it seems to fall in line with the suppression of the Anunnaki, but I, I could be wrong. I will say that I have no, like nothing to back that up, but it's honestly, it's pure instinct right there. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're aligned in that, that thought. Um, also, um, I think that's one thing, I, it's one of the primary drivers why I got into creating a podcast in the first place, because I think that we look so much to the external world to help us make light of our experience. And we also think we are so small. But the more I read, the more I realize that A, the human body is very much like technology. So again, you have technology, which is thought of as this cold uh, binary amalgam that helps you harness and create a certain outcome. Right. But in the organic divine sense, the human body is very much a technology in and of itself. I mean, right. it's self regenerating. There is uh, what you consume can be very much like a malware or a virus. Right. And so it's like, once you actually understand that you as a human are very much an organic technology that whatever you believe is created in divine perfection, um, then it kind of begs the question, who made me, right? And right. so I think this comes into play again with um, the concept of the Luciferians and or the religious community comes in. But in my opinion, I think I think that um, it's really important to be mindful of what you're consuming. Mm -hmm. And then also um, understanding that you also by the things that you choose to integrate into your technology have the capability of harnessing. And me and you sitting here, we've we've used our uh, chi energy right. and we've created thoughts with with the uh, quantum aspects of our reality that is right. unseen. And through our free will, we've created various thought forms and experiences. And then that comes back to these godfathers of quantum physics that says the all is mind. You take that back even further to Thoth the Atlantean, who says that the universe, the all is mind, the universe is mental. Right. And then again, you have as above, so below. So it's like, um, once you kind of understand your play in this is much bigger than this reality allows for you to believe through suppression, distraction, it then makes you feel as though there is a sense of perversion which interestingly enough, I find alarming because a lot of the stuff that you research with black projects, like for example, 
uh, there's like superhumans. There's um, there's this beast that harnesses human brains, um, and there's also declassed information where they've basically acknowledged astral projection, uh, remote viewing. These things are real, so they know yeah. what the spiritual community has been saying. They know it. So what are they doing when it comes to these superhumans? What are they creating? Is right. it for? So is it to go against us? Like, what is that? You know, the thing is, and the scary thing is, is that I don't think they even have a goal themselves. Now, I'm not down there in those bases, you know, at being a fly on the wall, so to speak. But I mean, I, I think to start off, you know, like when parents put um, a child safety lock on their kid's iPad, for example, where oh, they yeah. can they can only like go to certain sites and spend like an hour on it before the screen shuts off. I think that's what's happened to us spiritually. Yeah. I think, I think that would probably be like, if we had to sort of, and I hate to use the word, but if we had to dumb it down into layman's terms for, for people that don't even realize yet that a conversation that you and I are having can actually wake them up in many different ways. I think it's that same idea. There's sort of been this like child protection lock. Now, when it comes to the super soldier thing, this is what scares me because it's interesting that about 20 years ago, just under when George Bush was president, there was big talk about stem cell research and regenerative uh, DNA and things like this. And it was immediately outlawed by not just the US, but by the United Nations as well, because it was going against religion far too substantially. I completely disagree with that. I think that was just a total front to cover for them wanting to experiment um, in, in secrecy. Now, what they're being used for, I think that they may only be thinking in short term, which is warfare, so to speak. And I think that ties in with, for example, like you said earlier about the, the COVID bill, about how they, they slid in there that over the next 180 days or six months, the intelligence community has to present to a committee of senators and um, Congress people that uh, what they know about UFOs. Now, do I think they're going to reveal even a percentage? No, but I think they'll reveal enough to justify going into space. When you justify going into space, you need something that would be able to handle the extremities of space. What do you need to handle the extremities? Essentially, either a suit or a super soldier of some kind, maybe with an additional augmented suit. And so I think that when we look at these black projects, these brain projects, I think it is I think they know what they're doing, but I think when they take a big step back and look at the goal, I don't think they have one. And as to whether or not to attack us or things like this, it's hard to say. It's hard. I don't know if maybe they want to have it implemented in into us. Um, I mean, that's ironic considering, you know, all the speculation about the COVID vaccine and what have you. But Elon Musk recently said that with the right, uh, I think it was sequential coding, you can essentially turn a human into a human-sized butterfly it's not unrealistic oh, yeah. people people like don't right and exactly and people think that it's like something out of a movie but with the right dna coding sequence as long as you get that sequence sequence correct scientifically yeah sure maybe you might have to use technology to harness it i you can turn into almost anything that could be imaginable as long as it's uh doable in a genetic aspect Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we look at super soldiers and that kind of experimentation, I think they're going in all kinds of directions. And that's what scares me. And yeah. if you might say, OK, what directions? I think warfare is number one. Absolutely. Right. Number one. Number two, I think, is seeing if they would be able to transfer consciousness 
from one body to another, sort of like yeah. in altered carbon. And I think allegedly, according to some of my research from whistleblower reports that unfortunately I can't say where I got it from because it would get me in, in big trouble by YouTube, but uh, I'll tell you off the, off the record. Essentially the idea would be that they have already built up to Mach 4 level human clones. Now, Mach 4 is the most latest one. Now, this information may be vastly outdated, but the issue they've been having with these super soldiers and human clones is that they cannot put a soul in it. They couldn't figure that out. They thought that maybe if they could develop a human genetically, a soul by the nature of the universe would be inserted into that body. But that's not the case. And so I'm trying to figure out the, bare, the line, the threshold of what constitute the universe implementing a soul into a human being and what constitute the universe saying to these experiments, no, it's not going to happen. You know, well, what I mean? it's interesting because one, when you said that um, essentially it's kind of like giving a parental control to a, to a kid. Right. Um, there's a lot of channelers who mention um, Pleiadians or different entities or, or I guess, We'll go with entities, but yeah. um, Pleiadians uh, that basically tell them that we are not ready to receive the more than what we know, right? Right. And when when asked why, um, the answer is often I forgot the name. There's one particular channel channeler who mentions that um, it would be like giving a box cutter to a baby Ooh. because you know, we wouldn't know what to do with it, which again, kind of reminds me of Elizabeth Hayesh mentioning how at one point in time, these initiates before they had to take this knowledge and, and you know, hide it um, for the betterment of not giving a baby a razor blade. Um, it's kind of just basically alluding to the issue as a, as a spiritual issue, like collectively, we don't hold that consciousness. So um, I think you're, you have a very optimistic way of looking at it, which I, I align to is like, we don't really know. I do believe, you know, one of my gripes with all of the stuff going on right now is, um, and you've seen my Instagram, like how, where I view things, but I think, that the issue is consciousness. And I think very much we're at a spiritual warfare. And I think that, um, you know, the, the, the things that are going into this, the vax, the fact that it's an MRM, mRNA vax, yeah. and the fact that we're actually going to be starting to manipulate our DNA and we're starting to head into this transhumanist possibility. Mm -hmm. The thing that scares me is a, we are not spiritually elevated enough collectively to make good use of such technology. And secondly, I think the fact that you said that they are thinking very short term and they're thinking, in my opinion, is war is a very low dimensional thought. It's a, mm -hmm. it's something again of low consciousness. So it's like, what are we creating here? And um, another thing that I thought was really interesting was uh, in, in one of the videos, I forgot which one it was, you mentioned something about blue brains and you also mentioned how using the, the brains of deceased people to basically harness uh, the God particle or chi energy right. to basically activate quantum technology. Um, maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what I did want to say too, very quickly was that when you mentioned um, speaking to different channelers and them talking about how they've spoken with the Pleiadians and, and what have you, 
I think that is a perfect example of the limitation of wording in, in this society. Just to quickly go back to the beginning of, the, of um, this conversation, think of, again, um, the word channel, right? Think about a remote control flipping through TV channels. If we can apply that same thought to channelers or mediums, psychics, what have you, it's the exact same idea. Just flipping through frequencies the same way, you know, the average guy flips through or the average woman flips through a channel when they're watching TV. Now, when it comes to the blue brains and all that, what's interesting about this, and I thank you for asking it, is that the best example I use, and I don't think I used it on the show actually, is the film Prometheus. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um, yeah. Within that film, once they get ahead of a deceased alien on the planet, they're actually able to electrically stimulate it through the use of quantum computation. Now, what do we know? What we know is that quantum computation is absolutely real. And it's been, I mean, 10 years ago, they said it was impossible, but now it's doable, right? And so the same harnessing of quantum computation to stimulate a body is exactly what they're trying to do. But again, they cannot figure out how to implement the soul of it. And look, I could be completely wrong. Maybe they have. But based on my, my, my research and studies, they're essentially trying to create the perfect human, not just physically, but intellectually, spiritually as well, with full understanding. However, there's no soul. And so they've tried every angle, quantum computation through the harnessing of electrical impulses, the ability to accelerate neuroplasticity and things like this. It just hasn't worked. So I, you know what, I'm as much in the dark as you are. I, I, I've read some things about how they've tried to do it. But what's interesting is that there's so much documentation on this in certain areas that I don't know if this is documentation from 30 years ago, or 50 years ago, or from last year or from last week, right. And so I don't know where they stand in the process of it. All I know is that it seems like they've tried every single angle that they know of. And it seems like the, the Pleiadians, uh, the Nordics and the Greys are purposefully withholding tons of technology. And you know what? I don't blame them. It's like trying yeah. to teach math to a dog. It, it's not, maybe they'll understand basic concepts, but they got to learn the very basic fundamentals first. Apparently the, the channeler that I saw, I, I wish I could remember his name, but um, he basically said that we don't even ask the right questions to unlock those right. answers that we need. Right. And uh, when you also, you mentioned the, um, these Pleiadians and these different um, entities that are here, um, there's actually military detail and also video records of people talking about um, crafts decommissioning nuclear um Nuclear, nuclear reactors and yeah. it happened on, on one day on multiple reactors and then the, there's like tears to the reactor. Um, I'm not sure if I'm using the right language with it, but yeah. they basically like these entities came and they like stopped at three points and they just shut it all down. And so obviously they're benevolent. They're not here to hurt us. They're almost like watching and observing us. And channelers often say, um, and I usually try to use my, my gut instincts to see, you know, which ones do I resonate with? Which ones do I feel are just, you know, full of shit and just trying to get an audience. <laughs> but um, I often find it very interesting that 
there are a there's this reference of a galactic federation that's been circulating in the spiritual community and and on the mainstream level we've we received and it was ended up trending the the uh, the acknowledgement of a galactic federation and i think it's really interesting because in a way, um, even though there's super soldiers and the use of quantum computing and harvesting of deceased brains and yeah. all these things that you're researching, um, even if they are uh, at this moment nefarious or there's a very short-term lower dimensional thought um, for the use of them, at the collective level, it's very clear to me that we're kind of um, unearthing all of this dark, lower dense energy, which is why you're seeing such uh, unrest. That's right. why the thing that happened at the Capitol happened. The last two days, if you look at the Earth Schumann res resonance, it was like whitewashed out, like there was so much energy hitting the planet. Right. And it's all connected. And so I kind of wonder, um, energetically, channelers say that our bodies is shifting from carbon-based into crystalline-based, which is like crazy to comprehend. And obviously it's not going to happen in like a 30-year time period. Right, right. It just makes you wonder these black projects, if they could transmute into white projects and like this concept of in altered carbon, they had, um, I think it's all, I know you could get your sleeve, but it's kind of like, if you have money, you can have access to the perfect sleeve or um, in these like st dirty streets of these overly populated cities, you can buy eyes or memory. Right. And so it's kind of like in this perverse demonic, as I would say, way, we are monetizing things that should be, uh, you know, like uh, not something that you need to pay for. Right. And then on the flip side of that, I feel like, when you were saying about like altered carbon and um, it brought to con to me about consciousness, because I was wondering um, also when you talk about all of these things that could potentially be at play, it's like, in my opinion, the solutions are so simple, like yeah. teach people how to use their human technology, teach them intentional breathing. And I feel like in this conversation that I'm, and maybe I am more spiritual than I realize, but like, um, I feel like to me, if you merge spirit and science, then you could create technology that can um, like leverage the human energy to create healing because we already self-regenerate when you cut your finger, right. you regenerate. Right. And there's already these perfectly divine things. And then when you take off the environmental assault on our DNA mm. and you educate people and you create uh, a transparency. There's no need for black projects and yep. super soldiers and all that kind of stuff. So and if I, I could, wonder, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah of course. I say really quickly, uh, you raise a great point. Um, if any of that became public to the point where it could actually be harnessed without needing to pay for it, meaning that like literally we, if we were smart enough, which I think we are to realize that this technology will make us self-reliant, um, not only would industries be devalued overnight, like the oil industry and all this, but 
there would be no people would not need to rely on the government. And I think that's what scares them more in a bad way in terms of keeping control. But I also think that and look, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, maybe more often than I really should. But I think also there are a handful of people in government that tend to say, you know what, if for those who know about this type of technology, like, you know, zero point energy or anti-gravity technology, they would say if the regular, the average Joe or uh, the average woman were able to harness this, they might not even realize how dangerous it actually is. So I think there's two angles to it. Um, at the same, sorry. Oh no, so I'm hundred percent agreeing with you. I, I was just going to say at the same time, when you spoke about how those UFOs come and they shoot three beams at the uh, nuclear uh, silos and then it completely deactivates it. And it deactivates other nuclear missiles across the country that are not even connected mm -hmm. to one another. I honestly think that's the, these extraterrestrials going, what idiots, like, like what idiots they're launching nukes just to test them. Like, I mean, when I look at that, I start to think that I don't even think they care about us as much as they do about maintaining the balance of the universe and the cosmos, because allegedly, uh, according to allegedly, again, uh, Dwight Eisenhower in 1954, when he signed this Griotta Treaty with a handful of alien races, they said the main thing there was to not even test nuclear weapons because it disrupts the balance in other realms as well the balance of the cosmos. So it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that once mankind discovered how to split the atom, more and more UFOs were showing up, right? right. So, I mean, yeah. I think if we think about it, if we took our spaceship and found another planet nearby our solar system that we could get to where there were creatures there or beings or whatever we want, aliens, whatever, but they were substantially less intelligent than us, we'd probably start, you know, trying to, I guess in a way, conserve their lives or protect them so if they discovered how to launch a bomb and we realized it was going to do more damage than good uh, especially if the, their planet had resources we wanted or something like this then we would probably stop it right and i think the same thing happened here i think these beings said honestly they probably thought like what idiots like what the mm -hmm. hell are they doing testing bombs like they're dropping nukes in the desert like what idiots and sorry if i'm going on a bit of a, a ramble here no, no, but no. That also has to do with uh, Project A119, which was when this was a completely classified project where the Americans wanted to drop a nuke on the moon just to show that they had it and to also show strength to Russia, because this was at the peak of the Cold War. And so when I look at this, I started doing immense research and they claimed that it was completely declassified, all of it. But they decided against dropping a nuke on the moon because they said it, it wasn't feasible. That doesn't sound like an answer the U.S. government would use when they really want to do something. And I don't mean to shift the conversation, but allegedly there's there's bases there and things like this. Right. And NASA cuts out the live feed all the time. And it's just that whole thing is a disaster when it comes to covering up, because, I mean, there's been way too much of that. Like too many UFOs have been seen on the NASA live feed. Uh, allegedly, a base on the moon has been seen. So I think I think that's why they didn't drop the nuke there either. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, too, because um, Warner Von Braun ended up yeah. working for us. And I think you mentioned uh, the Zone of Silence, how he spent yeah. 28 days there. And there's multiple accounts of um, people interacting with the Nordics or what we are assuming to be the Nordics. Right. And then I, I believe also, to some degree, the um, Nazis had 
uh, the real society. So there's this, again, you're seeing this connection between spirit and matter um, coming right. up during crucial points in time. And here we are again, it's like uptake in uh, alien or I guess alien UFO activity and also a transition in terms of our society as a whole. Right. And that's the other thing, too, like what you said about Warner Von Braun. And I appreciate you re re referencing the zone of silence because he spent 28 days there. But according to the U.S. government, there's nothing to see. They put their top scientist who was a former Nazi supporter or Nazi member um, that they recruited. They wiped his record clean and they dropped him into that zone of silence for 28 days. But no, there's we, we, we just put our smartest guy in the government on the job, but there's nothing to see here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and also it's like the zone of silence is like Bermuda Triangle. It's Antarctica. Right. All of this. Right. Well, I know Antarctica, there's that Antarctic treaty where, you know, we can't go there. Um, yep. And I wonder, um, have you read into Admiral Byrd at all and the his 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 accounts at all? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I was just going to bring him up. So thank you for bringing him up. <laughs> I um Honestly, I don't see why he would bullshit it. It's a, it's a handwritten journal, uh, maybe, and I will be the first one to play devil's advocate against myself. Maybe I'm saying this because I want to believe it. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. But I don't see why he would, would just come up with something in a handwritten journal at the time when there was no internet, there was not even, the mainstream media or cable TV was just like picking up slowly. And I don't see why he would do this for publicity or anything like this. Now, ironically, this fits well into the government's, not agenda, but the whole thing of being, being able to cover it up because he's dead. Uh, it's just a journal. And you could say that this is any person that's just making stuff up when they're writing, but allegedly now uh, Russia, United States, Israel have secret bases in Antarctica where they do experimentation and things like this. Allegedly the most, I guess we could say ruthless or volatile and dangerous experiments occur there because at least oh, if yeah. something, if something leaks or gets out, where are they going to go? It's just a bunch mm -hmm. of snow. Right. So I think ultimately, Oh, that's another thing too, that you mentioned how every country is signed on to this. It's one of the few agreements that I've ever read about in my life, where almost every country in the world has signed it and said, no provisions, no exemption, nothing special, no special favors to, to any country. They've all just like said, yeah, no problem. We're not going to go there. And if we do, right. we got to let the, we got to let other countries know. I mean, something, something's up there. Well, they also had this like expedition that was clearly not uh, what they said it was. It was obviously a very high budget military expedition. Yeah. And there's just like, um, I think, I don't remember what, what it was that I read about, but there, there are very high level. Um, I, I think even class would be considered like crimes against humanity level mm. things that potentially occur there and again it's like it's because it's so remote um i remember hearing also that like nasa covers up on that part there's like potentially even a hole um that kind of brings in that inner earth theory and i know admiral admiral bird talks about the temperature changing and mm. it was warm and there's all these kinds of things and then it does kind of it did branch off and create this hollow earth theory but i think it could potentially be possible because of thinking of the torus field but right 
But then again, I think if anything, have you ever seen the cartoon, the avatar? Yep. Yep. So do you remember when there's like the war between those two spirits and they, they open that portal, there's two portals in the North and South uh, poles. Yeah. I think if anything, maybe it's a, it's actually maybe a dimensional portal. It's not a physical portal or it's a, um, energy meridian just like as above so below our human body we have those uh energy points right. and maybe that's also i'm i'm interested to think if the zone of silence correlates with the energy meridians of the earth which i think it it, it might actually i, um, I go ahead okay sorry um, um i was gonna say it's kind of like the same way i gave the example of putting child protection on an ipad like a, how a parent does it for their kid. I feel like it's the same way of activating or deactivating your Bluetooth on your phone and re- correlating that with the, the human chakras. This, I believe seven chakras, right? Um, yes. Yeah, seven. And I think it's the same idea. And Admiral Byrd is not the first and he's not the last to talk about this whole inner earth theory. Now, what's interesting about that is, for example, if we look at um, a gentleman by the name of Kenny Veach, This guy went missing five or six years ago in something called the M cave, where he experienced very weird vibrations, tons of headaches, dizziness, things like this. This is the same type of occurrence in that Admiral Byrd described, what he called Agartha um, in Antarctica, the inner world. It's also the same occurrence that seems to be rumored to be from the giant of Kandahar, in Afghanistan, where a very special elite team of Navy SEALs took down this very large humanoid giant, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, Yeah. and they all said they experienced the same things, when they went to take on this giant, what they saw within, or what they experienced within the cave of this giant was lots of humming in an audio sense, lots of vibrations, um, lots of uh, dizziness, mental fatigue, and things like this, and it only makes me beg the question is, Bermuda Triangle, Antarctica, all these different things. Portals, I, I honestly wouldn't rule it out by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I think also that we have to um, think that the concept of like dimension hopping and uh, time travel isn't actually, uh, how do I say, I think that we need to kind of expand our, our mind to, to think right. that we're actually transcending into different dimensions and uh, different dimensions can exist in the same time and space, but they are stacked above each other because they hold a higher vibratory resonance. And I think it's really interesting because you mentioned these symptoms of humming and buzzing or mm-hmm. uh, loss of senses. Um, one, I think there's a, I forgot, I'm gonna have to research it. I want to find it for you, but Um, I believe Da Vinci, um, I know Tesla was struck by lightning, but I believe Da Vinci had an experience where he went into a cave and he journaled having these experiences. There's a couple of other great thinkers that had similar experiences. And so it begs the question, was this experience where they came into this perhaps portal or energetic um, receiver, I'm not sure how to like label it to understand it but maybe interacting with that in a way activated that person's body re uh 
re-algamized their DNA to be able to receive higher dimensional knowledge, thus creating the future that came to be Da Vinci, or just as much as Nikola Tesla was struck by lightning at a young age, lightning is huge, powerful, dimensional, uh, divine energy that mm. if you get struck by it, if, if you're lucky to live, that does change you. <laughs> and well, in oh, his yeah. case, he ended up becoming this uh, conduit and um, massive thinker that came to birth the idea of free energy and wireless technology and all of these other things that people don't really um, know to associate him with. So I think that's really interesting. And then again, it begs the question, is this a suppression? Because um, I think it was written about, and I know in this book with Elizabeth Heisch, um, she mentions that the pyramids were actually healing centers where people would actually go into, and there's a show for the people that are listening on Gaia TV. Um, and I mean, there's tons of amazing shows on there, but uh, one of them in particular, there's a guy named Matteo Di Stefano who remembers his past lives. And he talks about um, the Atlanteans and he also talks about the pyramids and how they were used as these uh, chambers of resonance to create healing through the body. And I think in one of your videos, you mentioned this Vatican book of powers yeah. and how essentially you can, um, I guess maybe you can expand on that a little yeah, bit sure. more. You, you get a few things you mentioned there got me really excited. So I wanted to mention the pyramids. I believe it was the Mexican teal to I think I butchered that word pyramids they, if you look at it from above it has the exact same design as that of what we now have as a CPU on a computer um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen that picture before it's been circulating the internet like crazy where uh, for about 10 years now actually the pyramids from above not just the three pyramids in exact position and structure but also the small little what geologists and archaeologists have said were houses but I think was more than that actually line up in the same number quantifiably as modern computer CPUs. I don't yeah. think that's a coincidence by any means. I've heard many times over that the pyramids were used for many things, one of them healing. And I think that I really do believe that healing with energy is so much more powerful than any type of medicine could ever be. Uh, with that being said, though, I think that it's we're only at a we haven't even hit the start line at least yeah. to discover on a public level. Secretly, who knows? Now, if we look, for example, at what occurred, I think it was a year and a half ago in Japan, some Japanese scientists were able to teleport and transfer information, uh, were able to teleport atoms from one point in their laboratory to any point that they designated in space using quantum computation, because quantum computation is simply the transfer of information through energy. And again, what is energy? We could regard it as spirituality. And so that's teleportation. And I find it kind of funny that people would rather focus on what the president is tweeting that night instead of the like, you know, acknowledging the fact that they can teleport things, even if it's on a micro level. And so when mm -hmm. I look at that, I say, like, even, for example, the uh, the Akashic Records with the Vatican, the Book of Secrets. I say the, the science is there, the spirituality is there. The Pope very recently has said that he's very open to the idea of uh, extraterrestrial life. Do I think he knows about extraterrestrial life? 100%, I think he knows. Um, there was something called Project Looking Glass, 
uh, you may have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> so where they could print for those watching or listening that don't know, essentially the Vatican had this device all the way back in the fifties that they funded and they stopped funding because they didn't really give a public explanation. But if you look through this sort of like a binocular type uh, machine, you can use the Akashic records to see what events occurred within a physical location, as long as that machine or whatever it is was pointed at it. Now, this machine was called the Chronovisor. Uh, the Vatican, it didn't take much money for them to fund it. And allegedly, it was either destroyed or permanently put away in the Vatican's archives. Um, because it was deemed to be too dangerous for one individual or one group of people. And you know what? I agree. Um, do I think they destroyed it? No chance in hell. I think that's way too valuable to destroy. I think no disrespect to anybody out there, but you'd have to be a moron uh, to, to, to want to destroy something like that. But I think the, the book of secrets has that type of knowledge and information within it. Now, the thing is, is that the disinformation campaign put out by political and religious institutions are extremely deceitful and they're really good at what they do because if we type in book of secrets online there's tons of them the presidential book of secrets you got you know the european one you got you know the vatican you have all these different ones so I think this was created as a form of disinformation when they say book of secrets so that no one could really pinpoint what the truth is and what isn't it's mm -hmm. kind of like allegedly in the past they've taken real pictures of real gray aliens and ufos but they slap it onto a, a tabloid or a magazine so when you're grocery shopping in the store and you see that magazine you're actually looking at a real picture of an alien or a ufo but your mind laughs at it and dismisses it because it's in the context of a a tabloid outlet that's been known to you know drama dramatize and over sensationalize things right i i think also um Project Looking Glass brings to mind two things. Um, the first one is um, the channel text that I often refer to called initiation. One of the most important things, which again, to me is indicative of the re our world right now and the fact that there's such an assault on our system, our endocrine system, our the air we breathe, everything. Right. Um, it's it, it says one of the one thing that you must harness as an initiate is a strong physical form because if the body isn't strong in physical form and also in, in the temperament of your neurological structures, you are not able to receive at the higher density energy. Like you, you cannot physically, it's just as much as if you try to put uh, something into a plug that has too high of a wattage, it would explode. The same thing happens on an organic or a divine level, the human technology would, would explode. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things she talks about is that there were instances where man, um, the initiates were trying to teach man and man came into contact with these technologies. And there's two ways to harness it. One is through you. And uh, the second is by, um, harnessing it through you by the use of things like the Ankh, which you see in Africa. It's basically the cross with the, the loop, um, which you see in hieroglyphs that have the kind of electrical looking thing. Um, but there's, there's instances where uh, she, in that memory, she talks about her father saves a boy who drowned in the Nile. Um, she, she watches her dad basically ch channel energy from this Ankh, which stores divine energy and revives this boy. And mm. 
So now moving back, it's like, of course, the Vatican is suppressing this knowledge. And again, in that in that channel text, she says that pretty much everything was destroyed. There was few uh, initiates that reincarnated back into our, our reality right. to help be teachers. They kind of gave their lives to being teachers to man to help rise their consciousness, but also to um, uh, interbreed with them to help um, elevate man from a barbaric uh, lower state of consciousness. And I think it's interesting because it does create, you have people in our society, you know, I'm not saying that it's me or you, but like there are people who are inherently constantly seeking information. It's almost like we're being called back to something that we've long forgotten. So now pulling it back to the Vatican, you've got Project Looking Glass. And do we think that they destroyed it? Probably not, because we don't hold that consciousness to destroy it at, because we know we couldn't recreate it. Right. Um, so it's suppressed. Um, and and then also, which, which is interesting, is uh, there's this movie that Christopher Nolan just made. It's called The Tenet. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. that movie was crazy like it's like inception you know but it it deals with uh yeah it's about time inversion so i'm like what are you guys telling us now what are you disclosing us to us now right exactly and i wonder is there any projects or something other than project looking glass that has something of this context oh I, i i would say i have no proof but i wouldn't doubt it for a second absolutely i think I think Tenet's a perfect example because I was actually going to bring that up in a few minutes anyways, but that's very well said because when you look at inverted time and the way that these things occur, it's kind of like if we take a step back and you know when you're you're in a room with someone and both of you are spiritual and you can actually feel not your body shaking, but your the vibrations actually, it's hard to explain, but you you know what I mean, right? Like you're, you can feel your your soul is very active at that moment. I think it's a perfect example of what you said about how the human body is a vessel in many ways to harness energy. And that's actually been suppressed from us. I also think that when we look, for example, at um, the Vril Society or the Nazis, a very deep interest in the occult. Some have argued that that was just Hitler's deep interest in it. That has also been debated to be a cover in many ways, because, again, occultism, depending on how we look at it, is deeply intertwined with with science and things like this. And so when we look at, for example, and I did want to bring this up, too, is um, if we look at Israel, I think Israel, whether it's in this realm or another realm and in many different ways, spiritually, technologically, politically, I think Israel uh, plays a big part, much larger than we think. And um Again, ironically, the former space minister of Israel was the one a few weeks ago who said there is a galactic federation, but they don't want to be revealed yet or to the public of humanity because they want us to be able to understand space, cosmos, the universe, the and the understanding of, of UFO craft, right? And I think that is because it ties directly back into what we spoke about earlier, the harnessing of certain elements. They don't necessarily view it as technology, Whereas they view it as extracting energy and frequencies and vibrations for a larger purpose. And I think ultimately, when you take greed and ego and everything out of it, and you focus strictly on spirituality, the universe responds back to you in a, in a certain way, saying pretty much like, here you go, 
this is, you know, this is for you. And do you know what I'm trying to say? Like the universe is saying pretty much you can harness this element or this material or this, you know, titanium type of alloy to explore the universe and things like this. And I say that literally, but I also say it metaphorically because the universe has a very interesting way of bringing things full circle in many different ways. And again, this ties back to what we spoke about earlier, how many things in life are simply cycles, if not all. And so when you talked about interbreeding, uh, certain extraterrestrials came down to interbreed. Um, I don't mean by any stretch of the imagination and those on my show know I'm not uh, racist by any means, but if we look, for example, at Eastern European individuals, we'll notice that there is a stark resemblance to alleged Nordic aliens. Now, maybe there's some type of genetic ancestral connection there. Um, It's very hard to say, but there are certain people that uh, I have to say look very similar to the way that these whistleblowers have described Nordics. There's certain people, uh, Eastern Europeans, who have said themselves they've had uh, dreams of being, um, I guess we could say, uh, of... I guess, raped, sexually raped in past lives or something like this. And they claim this is why they they tend to look similar to what the Nordics allegedly look like. Um, Again, this is all based on, you know, statements, whistleblowers, things like this. Uh, But we can also argue the same thing for many other alien species that are connected to uh, certain human cultures around the world. But the one thing I want to point out is that these cultures all come back to the same concept, which is that vibration, energy, time, all of that, actually not really time, time I think is an illusion, but it is all one in the same in a certain way. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I lost my train of thought, but. (laughs) I think you also said uh, something interesting too about the concept of interbreeding because it's very well uh, talked about the the Pharaoh Akhenaten and how he had a very disproportionate figure and elongated skull. Mm. His kids ended up having these elongated skulls and it's kind of thought that these miter hats ended up being uh, a way of concealing them. And then it's interesting because in this book uh, that's channeled, which I keep referring to, but it's probably been one of the most profound books that I've ever read. Um, In that book, she also mentions how they were physically shaped different. And she didn't necessarily mention elongated skulls, but she said that we did look different than man. And interestingly enough, she also said how the energy of of animals, specifically the lion, is um, has a divine energy. And then when you look at um, different, there's just different connections there that I think is really interesting. And I often have this theory that when people think of reptilians, we do have a part of our brain that is reptilian in nature. It is like the first level of our brain. And then you get to the, I think mammalian part or there's the limbic brain and then there's the neocortex. And so I think it's just really interesting too because we don't yet understand the concept of aliens or entities and these different beings. And in religion, there is uh, what you would consider based on what you said about people having dreams. Um, I believe the, in Catholicism and Christianity, there, there is what is considered a succubus and a, a incubus and succubus, which are like demonic entities that like rape you in your dreams. And mm. they actually, um, there are people who have these, that, that's like their way of articulating it. Um, so I thought that was, what's that? 
uh, Zozo is one of the demons they say if you use the Ouija board, I believe, is that comes and he's all about uh, like sexual um, uh, perversion and all that stuff. Yeah. Violation. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I was like talking to someone like a good friend of mine, too, who was mentioning how when he was a kid, he he was like, I remember I had um, like I would be like I literally literally physically felt like I, I had stimulation and basically I ended up um, finishing in my sleep yeah. and right. I had a vivid in- interaction with something that I perceived to be real, but was uh, he labeled it as a demon um, and we joked about it or whatever. And it's like, um, it's just interesting. And I, and I, I feel as though um, even the concept of, of aliens too, it's like, even for them, there has to be dimension, uh, like levels to their consciousness as well. Right. We've got the Arcturians that are like ninth dimensional beings that um, I think they, some of them don't even have physical forms. And mm. then you have like the greys and the reptilians and the draconians, which are lower dimensional. And who's to say that they uh, didn't either A, interbreed with us or B, um, are making like you during um, the Nazi kind of regime. Right. One of the things was uh, the concept of this esoteric real society and all of that kind of stuff. What they were doing was pretty low, low, low uh, vibrational and in, in consciousness. Yep. So if, if you think of how you mentioned the universe has defined, uh, it's perfect. Everything kind of comes full circle. Right. And even in the laws of physics or, you know, whatever, like attracts like. So if these people are putting out this type of resonance, they're not going to attract an Arcturian or a Pleiadian or a higher dimensional being. They're going to attract probably a draconian or a, a gray or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a, an interesting thing to note. And I also have a theory too, that these lower dimensional beings like draconians and grays, I'm sorry, I'm like rambling a little bit, oh, but um I kind of think that in a way, this is how religion talks in the book of Enoch as fallen angels, because greys are giving information to the U.S. military. Mm. And you've got lower, you have these entities that are giving us technology. And they're also, I guess it's said allegedly that there's exchanges of human beings for technology. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting that you say this because everything that you said right there, I was actually going to bring up as well. Um, so when we look at, for example, up. yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, if we look at, um, uh, for example, and I use this because he's talked about so much and he's very, everyone's like, he's got this mystique to him. Everyone wants to find out more about uh, Jeffrey Epstein, for example. I think he was, for example, a metaphorical structure that we as public society tripped over uh, in the sense that he was an extremely depraved person. I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. a rumble of talks of him being a, a, a blackmail agent for the CIA or the Mossad or the British MI6 and things like this. But the point is, is that not only did he sexually assault underage women, which was like... I can't even, the word disgusting is not even like enough to describe it, but 
it's the depraved low vibrational vibrational energy that he was doing this from. And some of the women who talked about this, not in the Netflix documentary, but in the uh, Lifetime documentary, I think it was. I, I think that's the, sh- the network. But they talked about how while they were being raped by him, it was as if there was some type of low vibrational feeling that he gave off and he enjoyed that. And I think it, it just adds to your point of no matter alien, no matter human, no matter uh, demon or spiritual low vibrations are just they're reoccurring low vibrations attract low vibrations therefore attract negative thoughts um which therefore attract lead to things like uh i guess you know drug use or alcohol or things like this and yeah i mean i think he was a prime example of something that we were not supposed to ever know about that goes on all the time and i think it serves a higher purpose whether Epstein knew it or not. Now, the whole thing is that, yes, he used to do this and he used to have all these things being recorded, like all his rooms were cameraed up so that, you know, he can use this to sell to the CIA and they could use it to blackmail politicians and things like this. But I think ultimately it's so low vibrational that agencies like the CIA at the most highest level, they understand this. They understand that low vibrational, not just entities, but low vibrational actions and occurrences are vital to gaining an edge over uh, an opponent or an adversary. Now, that might be a bad example, but it's. I think if we were to water it down to people who are just trying to open their mind up, that might be a good place to start, right? I think to... Um when you mentioned Jeffrey Epstein, um, for me, I feel there's also something I read once that I think really kind of shows the power of man. Mm. And that is that the spiritual realm, and this is talked about in any esoteric book, but also in religion again, um, but it's the concept that in the spirit realm, um, you cannot experience, I mean, does Pixel, is it Pixar? Pixel? <laughs> Pixar yeah. just, made that. Yeah. They just made that movie, <laughs> Soul, where it's like, it's a cute movie where there's a scene where the little soul eats a piece of pizza and it just comes out its butt. And it's just like, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't taste anything. You don't have human senses. You don't have a body. Right, right. And um, one of the things that I remember reading that like was really kind of super empowering for me and and I, I feel like it's a good to share too is like um, when a human uh, has its form, as we were mentioning the human technology and harnessing energy as a human through the use of free will and your own consciousness, however it be knowingly or unknowingly, mm. you can either summons up lower dimensional thoughts, which would be considered uh, demonic or evil, or you can pull divine um, high vibrational thoughts of love and joy. And through you, you can manifest or create through word, through your vessel, a reality in which aids to the, the, communal collective of all of us and so knowing that it's like jeffrey epstein whoever whatever he was aligned to yeah um was a very depraved soul yeah through his past experiences because 
again, your human DNA is an archive of all there ever was. So he probably has past life trauma. He also has probably actual trauma. Plus I remember hearing he had like a weird shaped penis. So there's mm-hmm. all of these issues that this ha- man has compounded on him. So through that, there's this darker, lower energy that he chooses to wield. And I remember you mentioned him in one of your videos, but he he started a huge company, but he ca- often talks about the levels of, of uh, vibration, the highest mm-hmm. being love, basically like one above death is like suicidal thoughts or something. I forgot like the actual word for that. But up until the point of courage, which is neutrality, those lower feelings, which we as a collective, we kind of teeter between um, the low, like just under courage, like we kind of teeter. We don't. Yes. Yes. We're not in a high vibrational state. Right. Um, But these lower vibrational states in which you have a perverse uh, energy vampire type experience of taking someone else's energy and in common tongue that's called an energy vampire we say vibes don't lie Mm. um it's also referred to as louche or uh the harvesting of energy we don't have this um understanding in in the regular society but in that type of exchange in that man's thoughts he conjured up a, a an evil experience that that took from that girl her essence right. every time he right. kept taking her energy because he's so disconnected from source so right. again it's kind of like in the absence of light there's darkness and so it's kind of like if we as human beings understand that we have like, yes, there's these kind of concepts and I don't want this to sound like I'm kind of pushing religion because again, I don't, I don't, um, my mom's going to probably cry for me saying this, but like, I don't uh, adhere to any particular religion. I find value in them. I find them rich in in teachings, but I do believe they've been diluted. But the more that I learn and read, the more I feel so much more confident and empowered. And I feel um, a sense of freedom and also, I feel um, not an obligation, but I feel empowered to share and to bring forth through my own choices, uh, my own light. So that's a good example, too, of like a very stark, uh, like a very depraved, disgusting way of choosing to show up. And unfortunately, in the mainstream society, we accept our reality as what it is. We don't ask questions. We, we, we just accept things as they are. And because of that, it's kind of this energetic suppression, as you mentioned at the start of this. And so, yes, we, we consume, we're distracted. We, we have bread and circus. And again, as you mentioned too, which I really like the way that you think, because I share this sentiment as well, is like, it's a matter of consciousness, what's happening whether they are aware of it or not, they have made the choices to preserve their own status quo, whether that be through a monarchy, a government, uh, like there is dominion over another. And in our society, it's kind of like this Babylonian black magic exchange in which we all lie and deceive each other. And that, as you said, it could be a potential opportunity for us to really wake up and be like, that's really fucked up what that guy did. Yeah. And, and I, I just totally berserked on you, but like, no, I just, thought that. 
not at you all. Know, like I, I think cool the, way to to make that analogy. Yeah, no, and uh, trust me, he didn't berserk at all. Um, <laughs> I think he was a product of, like you said, past lives as well as maybe his upbringing. But I honestly think past lives, and I think what you pointed out was very, very significant because it's almost as if there is this form of the, I don't want to use this term, but I, I guess I will, the, a certain aspect of the Akashic records are ingrained within our DNA. And it's almost mm -hmm. as if we can choose to manifest that as we will. We can choose to put aside the bad and ascend frequentially and vibrationally, or we can choose to knowingly or unknowingly become more depraved, therefore manifest negative occurrences from our past and past lives as well to, again, take away and deprave others as well. And it, it's ironic that the way in which these things occur, not just Epstein, but the way in which a lot of unfortunately people like him think, um, whether it's man or woman, is very similar to that of uh, demons or very evil entities, if, uh, if you will, because it's all about taking something from someone, you know, it's never about, it's never about giving or, you know, giving them taking or a mutual agreement. It's always just about taking something from someone. I remember speaking to a medium who claimed that she naturally, she didn't like it, but she said that she can speak with more negative oriented spirits. And at one point there was one, she said that was in the room as to whether or not that was true. It was hard to say, but what stuck with me was she said to me, she goes, do you want to ask it any questions? And I said, not really. I'm not really getting a good feeling. She goes, uh, she says to me, just ask it one. I said to myself, I go, you know what? I said, fuck it. Like, whatever, I'll see. So I said, why is it that a lot of times spiritually, when paranormal encounters occur in a negative sense, that a lot of people experience pain in their backs? And she said the demon was speaking through her to me saying that they go for the, the spiritually, they go for the spine of the human because that's what keeps them standing upright. If you can take out the spine, you pretty much physically took out the, the person, right? I mean, ju yeah. just, just short of killing them. Yeah, interestingly enough, too, because that remember, as I mentioned, the neurological structure, if you, right. if you interrupt the spine, yeah. which causes the nerves, right, you basically knock out a being. Um, also interesting, too, is the word uh, alcohol goes back to alcohol in Arabic, uh, which means taker of spirits. And mm. there are Indian shamans and different spiritualists who talk about when you see when you walk into a bar, right. uh, if you have that, that there's it's like clear something, but it's your ability to see spirit. Right. Um, Clairvoyance or no? I think uh, I forgot what it, it might be clear sentient. But basically, oh, yeah. if a person drinks too much, uh, their spirit actually leaves their body. And of course, there's still that that uh, they call it like the silver cord or the tether. Right. Um, and that's interesting because you get blackout drunk. You don't remember anything. And right. it's like the body has been so uh, it's been poisoned that the vessel becomes um, like unsuitable for the spirit. And so for temporarily it. it it leaves the body and one thing that you mentioned earlier too that i wanted to say um which i mentioned a little bit earlier as well is past lives and i think to give a more uh easier way of understanding when we say that the dna uh, holds the past lives mm. is if you've ever experienced any kind of trauma whether that be 
you went to a bar uh, when you were 18 in college, you drank a bottle of Goldschlager and the next day you threw up and like the mere smell of Goldschlager makes you want to rest. Also, alternatively, a person that's experienced war um, cannot handle certain experiences because like at a cellular level, they've imprinted that experience that helps with the uh, evolution of man. So like every experience that you have, it imprints in you at a cellular level right. as a mechanism of survival. So like for me, um, I'm, I can be kind of sensitive to um, like a loud banging, banging doors mm. because of a past life trauma that I have. So I am super easily startled. If someone slams the door, I, I instantly will trigger that I'm in danger and I have to remember that I'm not. And that's where also you get into the power of breathing because through breathing, you can bypass the autonomic system or the parasympathetic system, that flight or flight mechanism and tap closer into the uh, deeper aspects of yourself. And you you don't have to, uh, like you give yourself space to react to a past trauma, not a present day trauma. And so I think- if we were to bring that awareness to our present day as a collective, you wouldn't have people being, you wouldn't have men raping women. Right. You wouldn't have, uh, you like, you wouldn't have Jeffrey Epstein. Right. I mean, not everyone's obviously going to rise to that same level, but at least from a baseline perspective, we can, you know, move up that chart a little bit because we're still in the red zone, you know? You're saying kind of like filter through the good versus the bad kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or, or the ones I, that don't want to ascend. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something too, because it's also like the way that we think too is like people don't understand that you, the way that you think creates your world. Like you literally create your world. Right. And uh, like there's studies that say when you say like, I'll try or maybe you, you literally diminish the value of your intention by right. a certain percentage. Right. And so I, I think it's really interesting because it's like, um, damn it. I lost my train of thought. I got excited. <laughs> no worries. Um, I, um, I can add to that very much. Uh, I think that again, I think honestly, the, the, the progress of this conversation uh, this evening has been nothing short of literally bringing things full circle, whether we want it to or not. I think you're what you said about how there's intrinsic, I guess we could say imprints, or um, certain unique markings to people's DNA of past events, uh, you couldn't be more correct in my in my opinion. Because, like you said, there's the fight or flight mode, and that's just the physical aspect of it, right? Then there's the the spiritual aspect, and I do want to say as well too that I actually never thought of, ironically enough, was when I to- just told the story about the spine and the demon pretty much saying through this woman to me that they go for the spine. You make a great uh, point that I think a lot of people skip over, at least I did, which is that the spine, I mean, it's the, the vertebrae, right? Connects to the brain. It sends all the electrical impulses from the brain to the body. Uh, so many things, right? So I think that there's so many connections that it's almost like... I. I don't even know where to start to tell you the truth. It's like, I can go on for like another 10 hours talking to you about this. I just, it's so deeply ingrained in society and they don't even know it. It's kind of like walking. uh, Have you ever seen the movie ready player one? Yeah. Okay. So you remember when they're on the bridge 
and then they're all driving forward and the, and then the kid realizes the main character that he can he has to go backwards and he gets under the bridge yeah and he can see everyone above him i think everyone above on the bridge is everyone in society right now and i think that underneath now metaphorically it doesn't have to be underneath could be above whatever right but i think that the answer is like literally right there it's kind of like the more i talk about it research think about it and converse with people such as yourself, the more I realize that it really isn't, it, it's very, very attainable in many ways. And when I say it, it's like, okay, what do you mean by it? Well, spiritually, scientifically, technologically, because it's all one and the same. Many people have said that time is just an illusion. The only time is the past, present, and future is all one and the same, so to speak. And a lot of people can't grasp it. And I'll be the first to admit, I myself cannot fully grasp it. I think I've grasped a little bit of it. But I think that the best way to look at it would be like, for example, when I don't know if you've heard of a gentleman by the name of Bob Lazar. Yeah. Yeah. So he claimed to have worked at S4, I think it was Los Alamos, a base very close to Area 51. And he talked about how essentially before the these aliens came along to help humans teach about technology, they used to think that gravity was a particle. That was the acceptance back in the 60s and 70s. It turns out gravity is a wave. Now, what else is a wave? Frequencies, vibrations. I don't think that's a fluke. I think gravity is just one thing that happens to be, maybe not co coincidentally, but is aligned and uniformly um, positioned within this realm. And so it's kind of like, People have always asked, you know, how do the UFOs work? Well, it's not as technologically oriented as it is spiritually, because when we think of gravity and Bob Lazar gave a perfect example, think about putting a basketball or a bowling ball on your bed. As the ball rolls, the bed sheets start to bend underneath it, right? Mm -hmm. Wherever the ball goes. So it's that same concept. And he is trying to tell people that we should subscribe, should subscribe to the ideology of spirituality making this happen rather than technology. People think, well, you know, the, maybe the material on the UFO has something that can do. But it's like, no, no, no. If you're defying how we perceive to be the laws of physics, then it's not really, we haven't really understood it fully. Why is yeah. that? Because a lot of people, a lot of scientists, very sadly, have taken... Uh, spirituality, not as a joke, but they very much neglected it. And when you look at people like uh, Albert Einstein, who said that science and religion, I think he said something like science without religion is lame and religion without science is nonsense or something like that. And then we look at Nikola Tesla, who said, if you want to understand the answers to the universe, look at vibrations, frequencies, and, and energies. And then if we look at a gentleman by the name of Herman Oberth, who was recruited under the Operation Paperclip, which is what the US government and CIA did to take all the Nazis after the war and wipe their records clean because they didn't care how many people they killed. Uh, their knowledge was far too valuable. So they wiped their records clean and brought them here. Warner Von Braun was one of them, the main guy actually. And Herman Oberth, I believe was a mentor to Warner Von Braun. And he said, we cannot attribute all of the um, aeronautic and scientific advances we cannot credit ourselves. And he said, we have been helped spiritually more so than technologically by, he called them the people of other worlds, right? Could be the Nordics, could be, I don't know. I don't know. But again, I, I mentioned this in my episode once too, a while back. When he says these things, 
Herman Oberth, Warner Von Braun, when they make these statements, which have been confirmed to have been made by family members and friends and all that, no one pays attention, or at least the government or the mainstream media doesn't give attention to it. But it's no problem if we praise them for bringing man to the moon. But you know what I mean? Bringing humankind to the moon. But when they talk about the people of other worlds and harnessing spirituality, all of a sudden it's a bunch of nonsense. So the mm-hmm. same people that brought man or humankind to the, mu- to the moon are, were trusted with that um, delicacy, that task. And all of a sudden they're labeled crazy because they said we had help. You yeah. know, it, it's just, it, it's very ironic. Yeah, and also um, you mentioned uh, at the beginning the word imagination. Mm. And I think it's really interesting too, because as I just mentioned that through our own thoughts, we can transmute in our own kind of alchemical process, spirit into matter. And how do you do that? You do that with imagination. What is imagination? It's in a way it's dwelling within the spiritual realm to bring forth your own perception of what could be. Mm. And so I think when you have a man such as him say he had help, he connects with the spiritual or connects to an Akashic field or an elevated state of consciousness, which again, it's like, they're no different from us because everyday man experiences a sense of flow state when they can concentrate. Mm. And then interestingly enough, um, you mentioned about time and space and how uh, gravity was thought of as a particle and now it's it's been identified as a wave. Yeah. The first thing I think of is surfing. And the second thing I think of <laughs> is, um, is that uh, when you expand through imagination, the concept, and I'm obviously not a physicist, but when I think of transcending time and space, I'm like, okay, in order to create time, it's a point between point A and point B, a certain amount of time is taken to get to point A and to point B. And also a certain space is taken. So if you collapse time and space, you find the present moment. And in the present moment, which most of us cannot, uh, we cannot sit still and think either we are dwelling in the, the future, worrying about the future, or depressed and sad and stuck and hung up on the past. Mm. And some people don't recognize that, but some people don't realize through an awareness of self, which is every of every philosopher, great thinker, uh, person who through their own zones of genius said, know thyself. And right. know thyself isn't to know, hey, I'm Jamila, you know, like yeah. whatever. It's like right. to come to a state of presence and to distinguish the egoic self, which is an amalgam of external conditionings and, and past traumas, um, all of those things. And then there's the higher self uh, that is found in the present moment, which essentially we are already time travelers. We are intimate interdimensional beings because at a lower dimensional self, there's the ego when you collapse time and space, I'm like doing hand motions, guys. No, but <laughs> but when you collapse time and space and you elevate to a higher realm of thinking, you become at a higher dimensional thought patterns, higher th- dimensional thought waves. Which is so also, again, I could add, is also representative within mathematics, engineering, yeah, all of that, right? Geometry. 100%. And so it's kind of like, what can we do? Like, I think... Mm-hmm. 
in all of this, what we've been talking about, we're like exploring things and it's really so obvious, right? It's like, obviously we are, we, there's so much more to our world and, and there's so much more to this existence. It's not just a three-dimensional experience, you know, there's the fourth dimensional, fifth dimensional, and it probably persists as far as our own comprehension, but through our, our state of being present, which actually, if you bring your breath to the present moment, you can actually activate within yourself, your higher self, which holds a higher consciousness. So I saw what happened on the sixth, it was the sixth. That was a shit show. Um, But I think myself a few years ago, or, and even a year ago, I would have reacted very differently, but the more I read, the more that I, I, I watch your videos, I, the more that I engage with different thinkers and use my imagination, which is demonized in a way as being uh, immature and childlike, um, the more I realize the play of separation that is actually um, hindering me from a state of presence or a state of higher dimensional thought. And then again, it's like, from the sense, from the concept of the brain, it's like a lower thought form is the reptilian aspect, which is like your immediate fight or flight mechanism is reptilian instinct. It's hardwired in us. It's like right. it is like a Neanderthal, like first man level one, right? Sort of like and survive we, at all costs, like yeah, yeah. And that's like the first thing to trigger. Right. But like you have to we have to come to recognize that at a higher level and our brain shows us this that the largest part of our brain is our neocortex this is what separates us from other animals maybe not like dolphins and stuff but like yeah we have the capacity of transcending time and space through our through our being but we are constantly distracted by the external world and i think that these uh secret space programs and all these different things. I think they know that and right. they're leveraging it, um, but it's being used at a lower dimensional thought form. You know what and I mean? If I could add very quickly, um, what you, you mentioned actually uh, dolphins, which is very uh, funny that you mentioned that because dolphins allegedly, according to these people who have spoken to uh, or interacted with a certain Nordic, specifically Nordics, have said that they communicate the same way dolphins do. They find the way that we communicate a very slow form of communication. Uh, they have, however, like mastered the English language and things like this, just in order to adapt to obviously the beings on this planet. But it's interesting that dolphins communicate in a frequency that can only be detected and I guess we could say translated by certain weapons or utilities that the U.S. government has that they refuse to share. I mean, I know that Israel has it and stuff like that, but the point is, is that I don't think it's a coincidence that when dolphins communicate and other animals communicate uh, frequentially or intuitively, I mean, we have that ability too. I just, even telepathically, I would dare to say, I think that's a bit of a, a stretch in terms of the average human believing that, but I think it's right there in front of us. I mean, you know, when you look in someone's eyes and you kind of, you can read them sort mm-hmm. of, and you can kind of tell yeah. like, and, and you end up being completely correct. Not that you're always right, but you're right. Like 90, 95% of the time, or someone's right. telling you about somebody and like, you've never met them before the person they're talking about. And you can already see them physically. Like you get a visual in your mind. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but 
it's it's there and it ends up being accurate or when you feel a communication from a spirit or something and it's almost like the frequencies in your mind kind of all come together it's just you can't explain it in words which i think is going back to the beginning of this conversation it's a perfect example of how the demonization and the limiting of words is used but it's like everything just clicks just in one shot everything just snaps for x amount of seconds time completely goes out of out the window you don't even care about it, let alone acknowledge it. And, mm. uh, and yeah. I personally am having so much fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope people that are listening are also having fun. And I hope that they're inspired to look into things because we've tapped into literally so many, so many different things. Right. Um, and I think it was a great um, balance between, you know, science and spirit and really, just different, different things. Um, I think one thing I wanted to add is the concept of the word play. And I read this book called Homo Ludin. And uh, one of the things it's basically Homo Ludin means man at play. And it's the idea that everything man does in our society is a state of play. And it's no different than the two kids playing in the sandpit, whether you're a priest or a cop uh, me and you interacting, we are playing. And I think when we actually realize that uh, the child that's born, everyone sees a child as a beautiful, precious um, being that you want to protect. And, And I think it's well documented that up until the age of four, when our society basically hammers the shit out of it and takes its, uh, mashes it into the human, that it's supposed to be in our society, um, they are in a way free, right? Right. And so I think um, in a way you and I are playing with ideas and uh, using our imagination to create this state of metanoia, like I call my pet podcast. And I I think, um, because I know we're we're approaching critical mass here (laughs) with our... (laughs) (laughs) with our our podcast but um I just want to say that if I if if anyone uh hearing this you know find intrigue in in everything that he's saying um take the time to like research whatever you're called to and play with the ideas that we we presented to you because we're not offering you facts or, or anything as truth. We are only inviting you to the idea of what could be when we allow ourselves to play and use our imagination. So um, I think that connecting with you is really no chance. I think it's maybe an energetic pull. And I think the result has been a really uh, beautiful balance of um, two very seemingly different things, but in my opinion, um, there's no, there's no parallel. It's, it is one in the same. It's just perceived differently. Right. Um, one in one in a third dimensional context and one in a spiritual or I don't know, fifth dimensional context. I'm not sure. Um, but, um, I just wanted to say thank you because I'm, I've, I'm having honestly so much fun. There were literally parts where I started to like get hot because I was like, 
really excited by the things that you were talking about. And I would definitely love to have this conversation with you um, again. Um, I guess I would love to get your feedback as to what would you like to say to the listeners in terms of your perception of everything at the end of the day? What does it boil down to you? Uh, and also, how do you think it could uh, help man in, in some sense? Um, the best thing I could probably say at this point in time, and unfortunately, I think because of the events of what's occurred around the world in the last year, year and a half have actually limited people's way of thinking. My, what I would say right now, what my gut is telling me to say, my intuition is to keep the imagination open, pretty much in addition to what you were just saying, because the definition of imagination has been butchered by not just the English language, but by humans in general. And I think imagination is more than just what people perceive to be as just making stuff up. As in the case of this conversation, which is what you, I agree with you completely. It's a fantastic and very synchronized balance, a very beautiful balance of science, uh, spirituality, technology, but ultimately being unison. Um, so mm -hmm. my advice would be literally to, to keep imagination open and to remember that I think no matter how close one gets to the truth, it, it's, it's, how do I say it? Uh, it's never the full truth. Until yeah. I think that the true ascension is the truth. And I think that we won't get there until we really understand what, what that is. Yeah. What does the um, future look like for you? Do you have any um, ideas of how, you know, Project Gen Z evolves? Do you think of writing a book or anything like that? Uh, I've, I've thought about it. People have said it to me, but probably not anytime soon. I, I will eventually. Um, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. There is something that once this whole COVID thing is over with, um, I'm going to go. I've been to the States many times. I've lived there for months on end. I'm going to uh, probably start in New York. I'll, I'll come pay you a visit if you'd be interested. And, yeah. uh, and I'm going to work my way up to uh, Las Vegas, um, Area 51, those places, and I'm going to live stream it and cool. see what happens. And if, if um, no one hears from me again, then we'll know what happens. So. <laughs> um, so in typical podcast fashion, tell people where they can find you. Uh, Twitter at Podcast Z. If you type in Generation Z Podcast on Instagram, you'll find me there. And then if you type in Generation Z Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, you'll find me there as well. Awesome. Well, and I, by the way, I'd like to thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. I could go on literally. I could go on all night. So I, I'd like to thank you so much. And I don't think that, I think sometimes, you know, when words just don't justify it. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you for reaching out. And, um, and I don't believe this was a coincidence by any stretch of the word. So thank you so very much. Of course. I honestly had a blast too. Um, I hope to do this again. And I'm sure it's probably a good time to wrap it up. And um, I hope to see you soon. And also hope that the listeners enjoyed the podcast. And hopefully we'll both get to connect again in the future for them as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Cool.